Welcome back to Space Castle. It is your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. I'm DT. I'm Seth. And I'm Alex. Who the what? fuck was that? Did you hear that? Hello? Have we been hacked? Who the fuck? This is a private channel. Who is this? Hello. Who the, what the, what the fuck? Oh no, my Discord server's been compromised. Again, just kidding. It's Alex. He's fucking back from his uh, his paternal his paternity leave. He had a second child, and he looks like he couldn't be happier. I am. I'm very very happy. Yeah, he's a rock star. He he's he's definitely a rock star. He sleeps a lot. He does that. Hey. He also cries a lot. He does baby well, things. Yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, <laughs> true story. <laughs> Look, 2020's been a long 18 months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that is the most 2020 thing. Uh, so we should fill Alex in on some changes that have happened to Space Castle since he's been away doing the dad thing. Uh, for starters, we're no longer doing the deep cut. We've shifted it to a deep exploration. And what it is, it's going to be like a, an amalgamation, like a combination of what we're doing with deep cut and also like the fake sponsors we were doing. So we're basically just going to be plugging things we really enjoy. And second of all, we're now a K-pop podcast. So mm-hmm. if you don't think J-Hope from BTS is the most handsome and passionate member, you can get the fuck out. I was wondering when the boy band resurgence was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Look, happened. There's no, and it's there's no resurgence, man. It has never stopped over on the other half of the world. <laughs> don't call it a comeback. It's been here for years. I thought you were going to say it just started, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's not resurging. It's getting started. <laughs> Isn't uh, isn't NSYNC and Backstreet Boys like going on reunion tours and stuff? Probably. Who isn't? Uh, of course, everybody's going on a reunion tour. I don't know what's happening anymore. No, there's. It's just time is a flat circle. Like boy bands are back. Thundercats is going to be a movie. Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. What? What? I mean, what even is time? Am I right? And we're still trying to get mutants into Marvel proper. <laughs> 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 it's only taking him 24 movies. It's going to take him another 20 to do it. Honestly, I hope it never works out, but that may be a topic for another time. That's definitely a good topic for another time. In the meantime, I've got a topic for you guys. I think people are going to be interested in this. Okay. Because hockey playoffs just started. We just had the NFL draft, and that's kicking off. Uh, it's going to be preseason before we know it. Baseball, I don't know. I assume there's baseball things happening. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> a question occurred to me the other day, and uh, it was actually brought up by another podcast that I listened to called Wonderful. Uh, it mm. stars uh, Griffin McElroy and his wife, Rachel. And if you haven't ever heard of the McElroy family, it's really fucking weird that you somehow found this podcast. <laughs> but they were talking on an episode of Wonderful about how during the quarantine, they uh, became hockey fans. They started you know, following a hockey team that Rachel followed when she was a child. And they got into the idea of how someone who's not necessarily someone with a history of being a sports fan could get into a hockey team. And I thought because we have three, you know, fairly distinct perspectives on the subject here in this podcast, 
might be a fun thing to talk about and also kind of timely with everything that's going on in sports right now. What do you guys think? It sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, real quick though, uh, what is everything that's going on with sports? I wasn't listening to the first half of that sentence. <laughs> totally fine. I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> uh, I have thoughts on this. I, I'm glad you mentioned hockey because uh, that's a sport that I've always been sort of, I don't know, always interested in. And I, I even, it was the first sport that I tried to play when I was in like the PUE stage of athleticism. And uh, in Colorado, when you try to play ice hockey, everybody and their brother is playing ice hockey. And so you get put on a wait list. And also it's expensive as all hell to have all of that equipment. So I did what everybody did and played soccer instead. <laughs> by, the time, by the time the hockey team opened up, they were, they were like, uh, it's three season into soccer. How do you feel about just staying? Anyway, uh, hockey is one that I, I always wanted to get more into and I still, still haven't, but I've always been a football fan. So I have that like, yeah, I've always been a sports fan. I think that's just because of my family upbringing. But, uh, you know, when you have a collegiate athlete for a dad, um, you know, you just tend to be into the same sports. Um, it's like the, the, political affiliation thing which as adults goes away but when you're young it's kind of like oh that you know you think what your parents are thinking on the nhl side though you know i i I don't know nearly enough about hockey's structure in the nhl to be super invested in it but i want to know more you know sure yeah and uh something you just spoke to was going to be my first point my first suggestion about getting into uh, a specific sports team would be to see what your family's into because, I mean, that's exactly what I did. Um, I was born and raised in Arizona. Alex and his family are largely from Colorado. So my first love as far as a football team was the Denver Broncos because it was something I had a reference to and like a wealth of knowledge to to dive into and ask questions about and such. So that was that's my first suggestion is if you're interested, take a look at what your family members are into and ask questions. And typically that might lead into your family being into the local team which makes it even easier to become invested in that team because you're going to have local sports bars you can go to where there's going to be you know, fans of that team. Uh, the local news is going to be covering it. So you've got a little bit of a wealth of knowledge there as well. And it's a very, very easy and very broad jumping off point for, for learning about a specific team in your own city. It's, yeah, local news and, and you know, sports bars and whatnot. But you're also walking around seeing other people wear the same banner. Like once you start getting into the swag, you're wearing a jersey. You're walking around, other people are wearing those same uh, logos and repping the same team. You feel like a part of a community. So, you know, I think that's one factor as well when it comes to the local stuff. Um, I know that I became a Broncos fan after moving from Ohio. I was four years old. Then the Broncos won back-to-back Super Bowls. And, you know, when you're four and you think football is cool for the first time in your life, you're like, yeah, I'm a Broncos fan now. They're the best. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I grew up in Arizona, and we've got the Arizona Cardinals. We've had the Cardinals since I was five or six. I think they moved to Arizona in like 1989. But uh, the Suns are the team in in Arizona. Like they always have been, probably always will be. The Cardinals have, have hit and miss. They've had good seasons. They've had bad seasons. But Arizona is also a very transient state. There's a lot of snowbirds, a lot of people who move from other cities and bring their hometown fandom into Arizona. So for me, growing up in that environment, there was never like a really strong local following for the Cardinals. So me, having family from, from 
you know, Denver and the Colorado area, I just latched onto the Broncos instead because there was, like you said, there was that tribal aspect. There was that, you know, people I know and love wearing that banner. So I'm going to wear that banner and not be the odd man out. And I think that's a big part of sports fandom is wanting to belong to something big and exciting and dramatic. Yeah, there's. I'll, I I'm still here, guys. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so so for our listeners, for their benefit, Seth is the guy, like you said, who has not been a huge sports fan for most of his life. Yeah. And this is why we have these varying opinions because we've got the opinions of of two people who are heavily invested sports fans versus somebody who has the interest in becoming invested in a sports team. So that's what we're doing here. We're we're taking Seth's life and applying it to any listening who might want to follow in his footsteps and learn how to become a sports fan. We've talked about growing up with sports, right? And I had an interest, interesting time growing up where my grandparents were both basketball coaches. And um, therefore, growing up in Arizona, we were Suns fans. And I still have like mid-90s Suns merch because that logo is so dope. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I've never really cared for traditional sports teams. I've always been personally an extreme sports guy. Um, and Hipster. my, my <laughs> yeah, my father growing up was a motorsports fan. So the sports teams that I was really invested in were teams of mechanics and drivers. Um, so there's a, a, a weird disconnect between, you know, traditional team sports and motorsports, which I think is interesting, but just like every kid did, uh, I played soccer growing up and, uh, was a, a huge soccer fan until I hit like 12 years old and then I switched to extreme sports and stopped caring so much. And now I am, you know, in my thirties getting back into the soccer scene because I live in Seattle and the, the soccer team up here, uh, is huge. Like soccer is a big deal in this city. Uh, so there's kind of this pull of community here where, like if it if I had moved to like, I don't know, uh, Missoula, Montana, or uh, New York City or something, I probably wouldn't have felt this draw to to become a soccer fan. But because everybody's really proud of the team and it's a good team and like all of this stuff, so there's this like, I'm in a new city and I'm trying to make friends or get to know the local establishments or whatever, and those are primarily centered around soccer as a sports team soccer is the sport in seattle the seahawks are huge like everybody knows american football blah 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 but the passion behind soccer up here is is wildly different it seems a little intimidating at first blush because people are so invested in the sounders the sound i'm realizing now i'm not i haven't said it but the sounders are the name of the the soccer team up here um people are really heavily invested in the sounders and they are fans of the Seahawks but it's different somehow and I'm yeah. not a sports person so I couldn't tell you why that's different but it is very different um and like you see you know maybe some Seahawks like golf bags or something but you see Sounders season scarves for 20 years hanging in people's windows and you see bumper stickers and like people are the people of Seattle are fans of the Sounders and they are not afraid to tell you about it. And, uh, and like trying to break into this traditionally closed off Seattle community is helped along by the Sounders. So like I'm becoming a fan of the Sounders 
because of where I live, not because I like soccer, which is fascinating to me. I think the situation with the Sounders, and I hope I don't come off as being like condescending or offend any any soccer fans out there, but I think with any major league soccer team, especially when they're doing well and they're your team and they're in your city, I think there's a sense of pride in kind of being special. Like everybody knows American football. Everybody's got an American football team. The the audience and the hardcore soccer fans are heavily outnumbered by the NFL fans. And I think there's a cool sense of, it's not elitism, elitism. Don't, don't take it as that, but I think it is, and it's not hipsterism either. I think it's just a cool feeling of being a part of something unique and special that's yours. Does that make sense? Definitely in America. Yeah, in def- America, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in over in Europe, like it's it's hardcore. This is my fucking town. This is my fucking soccer team. Fuck you if you're from another yeah. town. Fuck you if you like another yeah. soccer team. For- <laughs> it is it's it's ingrained into the local culture and the sense of identity and sense of pride in your city. But with soccer, and it's definitely that. Like I've been to Seattle, amazing sports town. Um, I was there right between the two uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, Super Bowl appearances. So they had just won one February of 2014. They won their first Super Bowl. And then I was there in November and they were on their way to the second one. And the city was just fucking electric with Seahawks energy. Like everybody was wearing a Seahawks jersey. Yeah. Uh, there was there was Seahawks signs on the first floor of every apartment and business building. It was it was amazing. And you know, the city just absolutely comes alive. Uh it, it because it was a source of pride, and that's what draws people into professional sports, especially with professional soccer, because like I said, it's it's special and it's unique and it's something you're a part of that not a whole a bunch of other people are necessarily involved in. It's it's a, There's a specialness to it. But I think that's going to change because MLS is becoming much bigger. Uh, Arizona's got an MLS 2 team, the Rising, which is steadily on their way to, to getting up to MLS 1. And I think, yeah, I think soccer as a whole is becoming more and more popular and less intimidating to get into and more approachable for, you know, the common sports fan to get into. And I think it's going to change in a big way. And I hope that's it's beneficial. I hope it's it's a good thing and not necessarily a bad thing. But Seattle, you're very fortunate to live in Seattle, becoming a budding sports fan, because you've got the Seahawks who have a dynasty or had a dynasty. They're a winning team. You've got an excellent quarterback, which is easy to immediately latch onto and, and, and follow. Um, you're about to get a hockey team. And I think hockey is just going to explode up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you have any interest at all in hockey, I mean, hockey is basically soccer on ice, except they're allowed yeah. to fight, which is fucking yeah. great. Um, if the expansion draft goes well for the Kraken, they're going to have a killer team just like Vegas did, which means you're going to immediately be able to n- not jump onto a bandwagon, but be afforded the opportunity to immediately jump on with what's essentially going to be a really good team right out the gate. And yeah, I mean, Seattle is, it's an excellent, excellent town to, to become a sports fan. So. Yeah. Seems to be working out okay. It's fascinating to me because I still I still don't really care about the sport like I which may be an entirely separate topic to talk about is like how do no, I No, I don't think so. How do I enjoy actual sports because like who 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 actually cares about a, a, the ball go in net? Great. Me. <laughs> why? Me, but, me too. But yeah. why? Though? Millions of people. Tell, yeah. I'm not saying that it's not something worth caring about, but I don't, and I don't understand how to, and I'd like to. Okay. Let's, let's get into that. I think uh, for some, for some, it's, 
it's that they played the sport when they're younger and then there's this like living vicariously through someone who's doing it at an elite level um watching somebody's you know you get the opportunity to sort of succeed by proxy so if you've got your team that's just killing it and crushing it every week you might not be um going through a ton of success in your your current life but you can still sort of feel uh, the success of the team. You can feel all the hype of the team. You can still feel a part of a community. Um, I think that's why live sports, uh, you know, are so prevalent still, even, you know, people are itching to get back into stadiums now because there's this, um, feeling that you get when you really are invested in the players or the organization as a whole. And then you see somebody do something really amazing and athletic. It's the same thing. I mean, like what we're, what we're talking about with stadium sports, at least, is like modern day gladiators, you know, that you, you've got entertainment on a high level, but it's also, I think people would be, you know, we're rooting for individual success. We're rooting for team success. Real, real quick. It, it seems like a lot of the, uh, I don't know, pluses or benefits of sports team is, uh, the, th- it's a third thing for the community. Like, sure. Of course people, People care a little bit about the actual sport, but it seems like this, the the team playing the game is just to facilitate the community. And that's what people really enjoy is the community of it, is hanging out at the stadium, tailgating, uh, fantasy football, hanging out with your buds, going to the bars or whatever. It's like the, the actual like community aspect is only centered around the sport. It's not really about the sport. That's what it seems like from the outside. Yes and no. Sure, it can seem that way. Uh, and there's plenty of fans out there who, like you said, are just involved because it's a sense of civic pride, it's a sense of community, and it's something to do with your friends. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, I know plenty of people who have no idea what an offensive tackle does. They have no idea that the center in football actually like calls the, the defense to protect the quarterback. I know people who are hockey fans who have no fucking idea what icing is. Let's be honest. Nobody knows what icing is. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. But um, put it. You put it on. It's what goes on cupcakes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. Everybody gets icing at the end of the game uh-huh. instead of uh, instead of orange oh, slices. Yeah. I might actually like hockey. See now, Seth is a sports fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, there, there definitely is just that that straight up aspect of just wanting to belong to something and just having fun. And you can enjoy, enjoy sports without knowing all of the ins and outs. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if that's as far as you want to go, as far as investing your time and your interest in the sport, that's totally cool. That's awesome. Like, just have fun. The other aspect is, is from like a nerd standpoint, once you learn the ins and outs of a sport, everything becomes so much more entertaining because there's so much happening mm-hmm. all at once. So you, you watch a game, a, a soccer match. And it just looks like a bunch of guys running back and forth really fast, trying to just kick the ball into the net. That's, that's all it looks like. Once you actually take the time to like learn plays and understand what the coaches are trying to do and understand the strengths and weaknesses of each player and how they have a very specific role to play, you're suddenly watching a really high-speed, really exciting chess match. There's so many different variables. And this is especially true, I think, of American football where you've got 22 guys in a field and – they're not just out there just running around like hoping to make a play, like just let's see what happens. Let's I'm going to knock this guy down and run, and hopefully the other guy catches the ball. Every single guy has a very, very specific role that they've spent their entire lives learning how to do. 
and it's all incredibly nuanced. And if one guy doesn't do his job right, it can ruin the entire play for the team. So you can spend, if you know enough about football or if you, you want to become interested in football, you can spend an entire game, all four quarters, watching a safety and seeing what he does and seeing how what he does affects what the quarterback is going to do when he throws the ball. Or if the center picks out something like he sees the safety drop or he sees you know the defensive line shift, he knows to immediately panic and call out a different uh, a, a, a different coverage for the quarterback. It's There's so many different variables and it's not all about, and this is network broadcast fault, I think, for focusing entirely on the quarterback with every fucking camera angle. But there's so much going on with any professional sport at all times because everybody's doing something very, very specialized. And it's 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 a ballet. It really is. Yeah. There's so many different variables happening. There's so much going on all at once. And it's it's beautiful to watch when it goes well. And sometimes it's hysterical to watch when it goes really, really badly. But it's it's nuanced. And being a nerd, if you want to delve deep into that aspect of it, you're going to open up a whole new level of, of appreciation and enjoyment of the sport. What I was going to say is that you can, I think that's what's so attractive about team sports in general is that you can come at it and approach it from any sort of understanding and skill level, which I think is why we wanted to talk about this is that if it seems intimidating to jump into, you know, being a fan of a team sport or that you just don't know enough to just jump in and, and you know, start supporting a team, it, it doesn't really matter how much you know about the sport because yeah. you can just appreciate the athleticism. You can just appreciate the community part. Or you can get, you know, I have friends who, who never were super athletic, you know, growing up, but they love team sports because they get into the statistics of it. You know, the baseball fans counting RBIs and error rates and how many times uh, this particular pitcher has struck out people from that particular town. Like you can get really nitty gritty with it um, depending on, you know, what your particular interest is. There are people that really just live for the statistics when they go to a baseball game and they're sitting there with a pen and paper yeah, yeah. marking down where people are at on base, how many outs there are. And then there are other people there with a beer in one hand and a hot dog in the other and excuse me, ballpark Frank in the other. And then they're just like yelling at, <laughs> they're yelling at the, the outfielders and heckling them because that's what gives them joy. <laughs> yeah. And that's, what's beautiful about, about pro, pro sports and being a sports fan is you can put as much effort or, or analysis into it as you want, or you can literally just have a good time screaming and yelling and sharing in the victories and losses of your team and both are completely, completely valid. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I definitely remember like being, I remember sitting down on a couch watching a, an American football game. And so I remember one person on my left was saying like, wow, yeah, that was really great containment by the end right there. It came around and really blocked off the hole. And then somebody else to my right was kind of like, wow, he run really good. <laughs> and both yeah, were valid. So, yeah. yeah, so Alex's dad was a semi-professional player. He was also a coach for a while. And I love watching football games with him because um, I, I know quite a bit about the sport, but I'm not as I'm not as good at reading and analyzing the sport as he is, or even Alex is, because Alex played for a number of years and he grew up in that environment. And I love watching football with these two guys because I learn something new every single time I watch a game with them, which is awesome because I, I have that thirst and that desire to learn more about it. And there are infinite things to learn about your favorite sport. Like there's there's so much to learn, and the more you know about it, like I said, the more you can actually pick out the nuances and find whole new levels and ways to enjoy it. Yeah. There's something to be said about just like after a while you, you, you pick up on things like it, it comes to you quicker than I think most people realize how, how fast you can start to develop oh, yeah. an understanding of 
that any particular sport, I mean, I use football as an example because it's my favorite sport and the one that I grew up watching. But once you listen to, from my, uh, from my perspective, my dad talk about it for years and then play, um, yeah, you start to, you start to be able to interpret what's happening on the field and you can, you can guess at plays. You can feel clairvoyant a little bit. You can be like, you know, I, I think what they're going to do is run the ball here, pass the ball here, whatever. You know, here comes my, my dad is at the level where he'll be like, here comes a safety blitz. And then on the next play, they're going to shoot the linebacker through the A gap, like different, really technical things like that. I'm not at that point. I don't know if I ever will be because I, I didn't play college ball, but you know, they, there, there is a level there where you can get to that's like, Oh, I know exactly what's happening here and I'm loving it. And you know, your, your commentary on that is, is what builds, I think, into the camaraderie of the, the community that we were talking about before. Yeah. You know, even if it's just a player level, if it's just a, you know, an individual level, I think it applies to, um, you know, I, I, I know disc golf was an example that I used of something that I really got into during quarantine before, and that's not a team sport. But I know that when I go out into a course and play with, with friends, we all have now a common vernacular because there's terminology like, you know, stable putters, Anheuser flex, like all kinds of things like that, where there are terms that sound completely foreign and make no sense to somebody who's an amateur. But once you spend like one and a half weeks in, you know, on YouTube or out on the course playing, you'll figure it out really quick. Yeah, it's uh, if anybody's ever seen that movie with Antonio Banderas, uh, the 13th Warrior, ah. there's that scene where he's traveling with the with the uh, the other warriors and he doesn't understand their language. And it's actually a really clever scene where he starts recognizing words and eventually it starts building up to the point where he is understanding in his own head everything they're saying. But it starts out as sounding like complete gibberish. That's how it is with sports. So if you wanted to get into sports and you wanted to go to like a sports bar with your friends or something, you're going to pick it up easily because it's it, it's not hard to start understanding and recognizing certain terms, certain things that are happening. Um, it, it's, it's very quick and easy. And eventually you're going to understand what's offsides, what's holding, all that type of things. Like you're going to eventually understand what icing is because you're going to recognize it. You're going to be like, oh, shit, he just iced the puck before the, the refs even blow the whistle. It's just one of those things where like repetition and paying attention is going to go a long way. But it doesn't require a whole lot of effort because, I mean, all these sports are very nuanced and there's a whole lot going on. And it's, it's like I said, it's as in-depth or as shallow as you want it to be as a, a consumer. But none of it is like rocket science. Like there's only a certain number of plays that even an NFL team can execute. Like there's just a certain number of plays. Eventually, you're going to learn things. You're going to pick it up and you're going to be fine. It's not intimidating. And it's perfectly fine to ask questions because... If you want to become a, a, a fan of a team, other people are going to want to help you become a fan of that team because it grows their numbers, it strengthens their community, and it brings, it brings like like what Seth said, it's that third thing between you and a longtime friend or a new friend. And it's it, like sports fans aren't going to try and keep you out of being a fan of their team. They want you to be a fan of their team because it makes everything more fun. And, it, and you know, having more people and more friends is always a good thing. I wonder if we are just you know, quote unquote, hardwired, which is a dumb phrase, but hardwired in our social behaviors to like, want to be a part of this shared community. And like, your team's success is your success kind of feeling. And I wonder if that's why sports are so prevalent. 
It absolutely is. It's 100% why sports are so prevalent. It's it's because we want to belong to something bigger than ourselves. We want to invest in it. We want to share in wins and victories. And we just want to belong and have a circle that we feel comfortable with. But why sports and not community engagement or charity or... Because this is America. <laughs> and because it's it's visceral. We want to be able to plug ourselves into that level of competition. We want to be able to plug ourselves in mentally into that sort of uh, environment there are so many sports movies about like the uh the armchair sports fan that like gets an opportunity to go into the big league yeah and and they're automatically just amazing and whatever you know they're the best coach ever that kind of thing so i i think it's i think it's just feeling like oh one day you know uh, they're gonna call me up and i'm gonna be a coach some people have that that mentality Here's what I've learned uh, is just be a nerd about shit and decide you want to be a nerd about that shit. <laughs> like that, Basically, that's yeah. it. It's, it seems really easy, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody would be intimidated by it. And you shouldn't be. No, like I said before, like sports in general are as deep or shallow as you want. It's your own level of engagement which defines that. And if you want to be the person who just watches football with a hot dog and a beer on the weekends, or you just want to go like to a family barbecue and wear the t-shirt and scream and yell, that's great. If you want to get involved in fantasy football or fantasy sports and pay attention to all the stats, or you want to be the guy like Alex said, who goes to the baseball games with the official notebook and is marking down all the RBIs and the hits and the, and the, the balls and the foul balls and whatnot, that's cool too. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's entirely what you want out of it. Exactly. And it's, there's no level of engagement with sports or a pro team that is unacceptable or not good enough or inadequate because ultimately, like you said, it's, it's, it's not, it, it's real, but it's not real. It doesn't affect your personal life. It's just entertainment and it's just enjoyment. And if you don't, if you don't enjoy it. That's totally cool. But if you do, then fucking jump in. Like if you, if you have any interest at all, like I said, engage your friends, engage your family, uh, engage people, you know, about, you know, whatever team they support, and it might be the local team. It might not be. It's. I would personally prefer if somebody was supporting their own local team. But again, I grew up in an area where that wasn't really applicable because nobody gave a shit. But just pick a team. Pay attention to the players. Learn the things you want to know about just enough for you to enjoy it on the level you want to enjoy it. And just have fun. Yeah, it's up to you. I mean, my I, I've got a buddy who I met in college. He's a Broncos fan. We bonded over that. He's He's a great friend of mine. He picked the Broncos because he liked the color orange. There you go. And then now he's running my fantasy football league. Hey. <laughs> That's awesome. I I do want to point out a little bit. I'm a little bit of a uh, a fraud here in that I do follow esports, and esports mm-hmm. is a lot of the same exact things. Um, the teams, the uh, community, all of that stuff. There's not, there isn't that sense of of ownership over a team or an esports team, which I think is ex- that honestly is probably the most fascinating aspect to the whole thing is anybody I know they don't, if they're football fans and esports fans like that level of vicarious playing or uh, our, my team, our team, like that does not happen in esports really, which I think is extremely interesting. Um, but following the, the players, following the stats, all that stuff, that's all still the same. So I kind of follow esports more than, than traditional sports. Um, but it's it's still different and it's still extremely interesting to be continued on our our next episode i would definitely want to talk about esports i 
I really, I think there's a lot to be said, especially in continuation of what we've just been discussing with, with team sports. Yeah. Cause you know, we're obviously headed more in the direction of esports. Yeah. They're more popular now than they ever have been for sure. Yeah. We should definitely do an episode on that. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we've got a transmission coming in from earth. We should take that immediately. Are you guys ready for that? Yes. Am I ever? Lay it on me. All right, here we go. Uh, the transmission coming in from Earth is from Wick Candle Company, W-I-C. They're actually currently working on a, a Kickstarter project right now where they're trying to get the company funded enough to actually launch the company. What they do is they create uh, beautiful, amazing, really, really good smelling candles. I like smelling good. I like my apartment smelling good. I also <laughs> secretly like setting things on fire. Secretly. Um, <laughs> but what's cool about their candles is the fact that uh, they are a soy and coconut wax blend. So what that means is they're paraffin-free, they're lead-free, they're phthalate-free. I said it right on the first time that Yo! time. Yeah. I'm so proud. They're carcinogen and petroleum-free, and they're scented with natural fragrance oils. So what that means is they're safe for your home, they're safe for you, they're safe for your pets, they're safe for the kids, but they still smell amazing. And what's also super dope is the larger candles actually come in these beautifully designed cement containers, which are designed, once the candles burned down and finished, to be flipped and used as a planter. So you can put soil in them. You can use the lid to put underneath as like a, like a catch-all for any sort of flooding when you water them. You can grow plants. You can grow flowers. Do whatever you want. So you've got this amazing product that makes your home smell fantastic. And then once you're done with that aspect of it, you flip it and use it to bring life into the world, oxygenate your house, make it more beautiful, and just you have something that's timeless that's going to last forever because containers are made out of cement. With this Kickstarter campaign, the very first theme is going to be goddesses. Freya from Norse mythology, Persephone. From there, what they're going to be doing after the company launches is doing a limited run of thematic candles for various fandoms. Uh, Sci-fi, Dungeons and Dragons, all that type of cool shit. So not only is it going to make your house smell awesome, you've got a cool thing that you're going to be able to plant, like flowers or whatever you want in, but you're also going to be supporting something you're already interested in, excited about in the first place. So it's win, win, win. Each candle run also has uh, super unique and custom made artwork for every candle. So like the goddesses uh, run has custom Persephone and Artemis and, and Freya artwork. Uh, and and Bastet is the, the fourth, but it has custom artwork from a small local artist. So not only are you supporting cool, candles and, and plants and all that cool shit, but you're also helping support small local artists and you'll get really awesome, huge, beautiful labels on each of the larger candles that have that art prominently displayed. It's, it's very pretty. Yeah. Like you said, you're supporting local artistry across the board, which is fantastic. So what's going on with the Kickstarter is they are blowing through their goal. And what that means for you is the ability to get onto the ground level and also lock in their Kickstarter price. So you're going to be supporting local artists. You're going to be getting an awesome product. And if you jump on Kickstarter and look them up and support, you're actually going to be getting this awesome product. It's just going to take off for the lowest price possible and probably ever. So there's really no reason not to jump on Kickstarter right now and uh, and go back them and secure this product for the price it's at right now because it's it's killer. You're going to love it. It's Wick Candle Company, W-I-C. W-I-C, Yeah. This week, we're going to do something a little bit special. We're going to forego our usual deep space exploration because this is the 10th episode of Space Castle. Oh, uh, yeah. Which, yeah, it may not seem like a monumental occasion for most people, but statistically, most podcasts don't make it past their pilot. For whatever reason, they just don't catch on. Uh, they, you know, the creators lose interest or they just can't get it all together. 
This is 10 episodes, which feels like a milestone to us. And we wanted to just take the time to appreciate the people who have made this possible, who have supported us all this way. And uh, just, take, just take a couple minutes to just, just thank you guys for listening up to this point and helping us get to 10 episodes and getting to hundreds, if not thousands more. Thousands more episodes. I am in. Yes. You can you can slowly listen to me lose my damn mind. <laughs> <laughs> How many more times can Seth say fascinating in our podcast? It's gonna be fascinating. <laughs> the answer is infinite. 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 Welcome to episode nine hundred and twenty seven. It's just me saying fascinating six hundred and thirty two times. <laughs> the episode title is fascinating. We've changed we've changed the title of the podcast too fascinating at that point yeah it is both literally and figuratively fascinating because it is fascinating. <laughs> but yeah the love and support that we've gotten from from close friends and family and just complete strangers on on twitter has been fantastic um it's been amazing we're not like a question and answer based podcast but we do for fun ask the audience to send in questions and what we've received has just been fantastic and hysterical uh we've we've laughed so hard just answering these questions on the podcast We've laughed the first time we've we've read them to each other. I've, we've we've picked them up off the Twitter or the Gmail account. Uh, you guys have been engaging with us on on Twitter with um, you know polls and whatnot and just general conversations, and that's why we're doing this. Like we love talking about nerdy shit. We do it all the time anyway. Uh, we started the podcast because we're now in three states, three different states for the first time, and it was just an excuse for the three of us to connect for several hours every week and just talk about shit we're interested in, and the fact that. All you guys are interested in it too, and you're engaging us on these topics. It's just more than we can ask for. So thank you guys. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you listeners. And also thank you to these two guys who have been super understanding with, I just had a baby, you know, my, 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 I should say my wife just had a baby cause she did all the heavy lifting. Hey, we made that joke. <laughs> you did just get a baby. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've been as supportive as I can, but uh, the support from, from DT and Seth here has been excellent and uh, accommodating my need for parental leave, which I think is, is wildly important in, uh, in today's world. And I just, I'm really grateful for, for you guys, uh, you two, my, my co-podcasters, obviously I'm grateful for our listeners as well, but um, thank you guys. Yeah. I'm thankful for you guys as well. I've known you guys for years. Uh, Alex and I are cousins. If it hasn't become apparent uh, up to, you know, the 10 episodes we've done so far, uh, <laughs> Seth and I are really good friends, but just doing this podcast and spending time with you guys has afforded me the ability to learn more about you guys, which is awesome too. Like, you know, I learn new stories and, and new little factoids about two guys I talk to on literally a daily basis, which is really, really cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really opened my eyes. Like not only like we talk all the time, so I know you guys are cool and interesting, but doing a podcast means that like I get to explore the interesting parts of you guys, which is just absolutely a joy. Oh yeah, just explore um, my interesting parts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was I was trying to leave it a little bit more PG. Yeah, so I can't do that. It was like a Disney movie where uh where sex is is talked about but not really like explicitly. They um, want it they want can, it as vague as possible to to keep it open ended. Um, yeah, man. You never know what's gonna happen. It's a long journey we're on. We got a thousand episodes to make, <laughs> and we're gonna get there. The yeah. one thousandth episode is gonna be so amazing. It's gonna be. <laughs> I, I, one might even call it fascinating. It's gonna be absolutely fascinating. <laughs> I'm curious to know if, like, uh, you know, will we even be coherently talking? Were we speaking English in a so thousand episodes? I'm, I'm not coherently talking now, so I don't. I, <laughs> I can guarantee that later on, no, we won't be. But hopefully, 
our listeners will appreciate the incoherent babble yes. that comes out of our mouth. Uh, yes. I, I really hope that that's the case. I tell you three times, thank you. Thank you uh, and thank you. Seth, Seth made a yeah. name of the wind reference. Wow. I caught that's that. also on brand. Who could have seen it? Oh, on? no. He made it <laughs> And I'm the only person that's listening that caught on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we would also, we'd love to keep growing this this little family we've got here. Yes. Friends, hit us up on Twitter at SpaceCastlePod. We will talk about dope shit together. You can yes. also send us a more long form email at SpaceCastlePodcast at gmail.com if you got some something that uh, you either don't want to say publicly or that you want to just say in a more long-form discourse kind of way. Send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. Let's, let's, let's share some dope shit together. We've been, that's one of my favorite things about our 10 episodes so far is those personal anecdotes that DT has talked about. So we'd love to hear yeah. some of those from our audience and, and kind of what your take is on some of the questions that we're asking each other in these episodes. Yeah, this isn't three hipster nerds just talking into the ether. Like we, we, we want to have a conversation with you. I would ultimately like to see this podcast as like a, a jumping off point for a conversation with the people who happen to be listening. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And with that, I, I have a, a very interesting conversation to have with you all. And uh, what I feel is a very important conversation to have with our listeners. Um, and that is uh, safe sex. Safe sex. No, you should be having safe sex. Wear, wear condoms, talk to your partners. No, this is, I think, maybe an equally important question. Oh, damn. And that is, which Pokemon would be the tastiest? And that comes to us <laughs> on Twitter from Sproticus16. Uh, thank you for the question. And I think really the, the launching point for this extremely important information we're about to disseminate. And the nightmares that some people from this fandom will have moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I was listening to a podcast and they talked about eating Pikachu. And he was fucking delicious. Okay, okay hold on. <laughs> that is not going to be anybody's answer because we all know Pikachu's not going to be delicious. It's too tiny. Too tiny, it's all sinew, it'd be bad. But Squirtle Soup? I mean... Squirtle Soup? Okay. Yeah, well, is yeah. that your answer? Alex, I'm going to need you to elaborate. No, I mean, I don't really have much more to elaborate. You, you don't want, you're not going to want Blastoise soup. This is too big a turtle right there. You got too big the shell, you know, you don't want to deal with it. There's a lot of machinery back there. I've seen somebody cook a paella that was as big as my dining room table. Holy <laughs> I shit. Think, I think a Blastoise soup might actually be really appealing. <laughs> Here's the thing is like, I've, I've, I've now thought about this for all of my 15, 20 seconds. And I, you, you got a lot of salads and you got a lot of fish. And I, yeah. I, I mean, here's the, the real answer is which Pokemon would be the tastiest. It's, it's, a, it's a sushi board. It's a, you're making a sushi roll mm. out mm-hmm. of, I got to pick one. You got to, you're making me well, pick one. Well, not only, uh, I think you should pick one, but also that's incorrect. <laughs> oh, well, tell me your answer then. Um, okay. I have the correct answer and I will justify my reasons in three points. <laughs> this essay from Seth. <laughs> yes. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. In this essay, I will attempt <laughs> to convince you why, in fact, Snorlax is the correct answer. Oh, I'll what? use one nice. example. You're tough and rubbery. <laughs> I'll use one example. Wagyu beef. <laughs> the reason Wagyu beef is so delicious is because it is laced, interlaced with this beautiful amount of marbled fat because they are grass-fed and they don't move a lot. 
They're chilled out fucking cows. Snorlax is grass-fed. He doesn't move a lot. And you know that the muscle's there because he's still strong. He still fucks shit up. And he gets up and moves when he wants to. He just doesn't want to very often. So, I am here to tell you that Snorlax is going to be a heavily marbled, heavily muscular smorgasbord of delicious <laughs> wagyu beef. Seth's trying to feed a village right now, too. Yeah, well, I mean, cows weigh a thousand pounds. Like, it, it's, it's fine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I agree. I mean, that's Snorlax. <laughs> like, that's going to require a whole lot of muscle just to move that mass if and when it does move itself. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to be fatty, and that marbleization is just going to cook down and just be tasty oh, as fuck. It's going to be um, so good. My my choice is Bulbasaur because, like, if you're going to have yourself a big fucking Snorlax steak, you're going to want some roasted fucking Bulbasaur bulbs, and that <laughs> shit is going to be delicious. That's going to be you, you're going to you're going to add a little bit of olive oil and Ooh. some sea salt, and you're going to roast that shit. You're going to braise it, and you're going to have like that Snorlax steak. And some delicious little fucking like, like fucking like Brussels sprouts <laughs> that you that you that are going to be the size uh, of a small dog. We're, we're, we're so, building a three three course maybe five course dinner here with with your with your Snorlax meat with DT's Bulbasaur leaf sprouts, and then my seafood platter of Magikarp Sea King and cloisters. Um, <laughs> I think you know we've got a pretty tasty five Pokeball star restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have Jigglypuff for dessert. <laughs> no, Jigglypuff does the karaoke. Yeah, yeah, it does, that's the entertainment. It's, it's a karaoke bar, so Jigglypuff is our MC. And guys, no Pokemon are off the table in the situation. I'm gonna eat every fucking Pokemon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to fill my belly with Pokemon. <laughs> let me let me ask you this then: How exactly, and I do mean exactly, would you go about eating yourself a Porygon? <laughs> you wouldn't. You'd, uh, you'd, think, you'd think about eating a you, Porygon. And you then wouldn't get, download a Porygon. You get confused about life. <laughs> Is Porygon like a like a, a performance art piece where you just think about eating it? I, Maybe. Yeah, I think Porygon is meant to make you think about eating Pokemon. <laughs> Are they tangible? Or they're, no. they're digital. They're not tangible. I was gonna say like maybe they would be like rock candy and you just like lick them. No, that's how Geodude and and Graveler would be. They'd be like rock candy, even though I think they're supposed to be granite, canonically. An important question here is, is does Ditto taste like gelatin or whatever you want? Yo, okay. The, the <laughs> oh, Ditto was shit. my second pick. Hold on. Ditto was my second pick because Snorlax would be amazing, but Ditto could be any kind of food that you ah. wanted it to be because it changes on a molecular level, which means it would be the same. If you wanted seafood, it could change into... Now, this is some, like, weird, gross, dystopian slave labor change into the food that I want to eat thing. Uh, but if you ignore that, which you should with Pokemon because there's a lot of that going on That's here. That's problematic. <laughs> yeah. Ditto would just change into, like, a, I don't know, a Magikarp or a Snorlax or maybe into, like, a Pidgey if you wanted chicken or something. Like, Ditto would just change into whatever food you want, which means I think Ditto doesn't count. I'm... I'm, li- <laughs> I'm, I'm actually more convinced that it counts more than any other choice so far. <laughs> I'm learning in this conversation that besides Porygon, you could probably make a matching recipe. Why is there not a hundred the first hundred fifty Pokemon cookbook wherein you're making something that's based on that Pokemon? Here's Taurus, and you're gonna make a flank steak tonight, 
Fuck. Oh, dude. Fucking. Oh, holy shit. Some fucking bison burgers made out of Taurus. Uh, yeah. There yeah. you go. Oh, I'm, I'm about that. I'm about that. Do you guys think that lick a tongue's tongue would be like a delicacy? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Cow tongue is like already a huge thing. And that is just a, like a 30 pound cow tongue. <laughs> Do you think there would be activists like people who, who are against like venison? Do you think people would be actively like like protesting people eating like like a Vulpix or something? I think yes. I think I would probably be a Pokemon activist because not only is it like weird dog fighting, but also they fucking talk and learn about shit. Like they're far too intelligent. It'd, it'd be like trying to eat like a dolphin or something. It's it, Pokemon are too intelligent to eat. Actually, I think I would probably be an activist. You, you know that pigs and cows are really smart, yes. right? I do know that. Are You're you correct. Veg- are you a vegetarian? <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> Slowly, because meat's delicious. And there's parts of me that's like, okay, that meat industry, like the 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 cow's going to die. I, I am a huge advocate for a better meat industry, not necessarily not eating meat. Sure. Gotcha. But that's there's another conversation to have, I think. Do you think Charizard tastes like rattlesnake? Something no, similar. I think Charizard tastes Big like... Big chicken. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it just fucking spicy chicken? Every, Holy every shit. single Pokemon just tastes like chicken. Charizard is just spicy chicken. <laughs> just big spicy chicken. Uh, guys, there's some, there's some, there's some problems here because I was saying you could make one out of every Pokemon, but you can't because you've got like you've got Diglett and that's just dirt, and then you've got Voltorb, which is battery basically, or a. a Pokemon. You, could eat a, you could eat a battery. I mean, you could probably only eat a battery once, but you could totally eat it. <laughs> yeah, battery. but then you wouldn't be able to get to to electrode. Like you'd be you'd be stuck. Magnemite? Mm. You're gonna eat magnets? You're gonna just be digging into those? Yeah, don't do not eat magnets. Like of all the non edible <laughs> shit to eat, magnets are among the worst. There was that one kid that was in the news who tried to see if he can make himself magnetic by eating a bunch of magnets. Oh my and gosh. I think he died. That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> So no Magnemites, no Magnetons, no Voltorbs, Electrodes. Yeah. You probably want to avoid eating things like, um, you know, Kakuna or Metapod. Eh, eh, it's still bugs. I don't know. Yeah, but it's, I think... it's bug soup if we're going, like, real... We're halfway like to the fucking Pokerap right now. Like, we might as well... Oh, let's write a Pokerap where we just list off the Pokemon and imagine what they taste like. Charizard, chicken, squirrel, chicken, Pikachu, <laughs> <No>. chicken. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we could enlist the help of Brian David Gilbert. I think he'd be down for sure. <laughs> Does anybody know what is inside a Tangela? Darkness. Misery. <laughs> <laughs> is there meat in there or is that like a, is it a, an, an, an M&M's mascot situation? No, here's the thing. You take a Tangela. And you deep fry it, and it just becomes like French fries. It's funnel cake. Holy shit. It's, it's, funnel, <laughs> it's cake. funnel cake. Oh, no. <laughs> Tangela funnel cake. Uh, Tangela might be my favorite pick, though, if it deep fries up into funnel cake. You were talking about, you're talking about the activists. The activists will, will come out for Kangaskhan because you've got, you've got marsupials there, and then there you go. Yeah, there's a, there's a family involved there. But what about like Mew and Mewtwo, who are like, more intelligent than I am. Look, look, Seth. If an, if alien life showed up and they were like, "Hey, could you uh, do you want to just try this meat? Would you try it? Because like that's what you're that's what you're talking about now. 
one, um, one of them is I this lab bread, right? Two, but... I would have two questions before I inevitably answer yes because I couldn't help myself. Will it kill me? First, <laughs> is it poison? Like, will this kill me? Two, why are you asking? Is it good, or are you interested to see what this will do to me? <laughs> hmm. I want to try every flavor of Evie. <laughs> <laughs> just to see if they all taste the same or like I, I'm, I'm guessing leafy on would probably be a little bit more high in fiber content wait are these like okay what if what if the ev evolutions are like snow cone flavors where the texture is all the same but they just have different tastes that's what i'm saying like do they, they gotta taste different right like it wouldn't all just taste like the same thing like yeah there's got to be different genetic makeups that, that would cause some flavor variances, and I want to try all of them now. Dude, that would be exactly – they would be like Gatorade flavors where you've got – Vaporeon would be blue Gatorade. Where it's not a flavor. It's just the blue one. <laughs> it's just blue. It tastes like blue, and that's what Vaporeon tastes like. It's just blue. Oh, what Eevee did you get this time? The, the yellow one? I got yellow this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh... – I don't know. I think we've thoroughly answered this question. <laughs> I don't know if we now, can ever thoroughly answer this question, but I am I satisfied have, for now. And I have hungry. another question for you. Uh, <laughs> if you if you cooked up a bunch of bell sprouts, is that a vegetarian meal? Or is that not? Ooh. See, that's a whole different discussion. If you're eating Pokemon that are like plant based, are they? Are you eating plants because they're sentient and living? But they're plants. Yeah. I mean, some plants do like move and eat and stuff. Plants are plants are living organisms. They just don't think. Here's the thing: we're we're gonna get into some problematic territory of like, at what point does we haven't already? (laughs) (laughs) Really, talking about Pokemon doesn't enter us into problematic territory. The whole the entire concept is very problematic. Uh, It's essentially cockfighting, you know, wrapped up and and sold to kids as being like. Gotta, gotta catch all the cute animals and make them beat the fuck out of each other. Like, yeah. Get on at Space Castle Pod. Spacicle. It's the brand new treat. At Space Castle Pod <laughs> on Twitter and let us know which Pokemon is the tastiest. And why is it Snorlax? And why is it Donatello? Wait, why? <laughs> <laughs> I outlined explicitly why it's Snorlax. Let us know what the second tastiest one is and why. But I mean, come on. Talking about deliciously marvel muscle here is there's nothing better than that. You'd have to you'd have to toss it over like a bonfire spit with like a a metal eye beam holding it up or something, but it would still roast up tasty. Well, I, I you wouldn't cook a Snorlax whole. You, you could would, like roast pig, you know. You could you could totally take that. forever. I don't want to wait that long. <laughs> okay, you know you're right. You could do it. You could do it in a pit. Dig a big hole and DT wants that tasty wagon right now. I need it immediately. Yeah. Medium rare. Let's go. Which would be best in ramen? That's the question. Is it Waigu? Okay. Here's, I'm going to make an argument that Gengar would be best in ramen. What? In the, <laughs> Bro, in the next, in the subsequent three hours. I'm not eating any hours, ghost type would... Pokemons and getting fucking possessed, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Eating a fucking ghost type. What the fuck are you on, son? Okay. okay. <laughs> Look, I may have gone too close to the sun. <laughs> we're we're traveling. Does anybody here have any knowledge above the OG one fifty one? Because I don't. I've got some of the second and fifth generations. 
there's probably better fits for Pokemon that I am just wholly unaware of. Now, this is what's funny about it, too, is because I my gripe with the most recent generations of Pokemon is they started to look more and more like food. You've got like <laughs> you've got ice cream Pokemon and yeah, you've got va- Vanillite. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a fucking ice cream cone. Yeah, what? What the? F- Al creamy looks like dessert, and it comes in multiple flavors like strawberry and mint. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, I mean, there's some Pokemon out there that are just wandering out in the world and begging to be eaten. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, is this a genetic engineering problem where they made food and it turned out to be sentient? Maybe. Maybe Pokemon actually takes place in like a dystopian future. There is a significant argument for that. And maybe I'll maybe I'll post that on a future episode. And I would argue that it does take place in a dystopian future. Uh, and I do have arguments as to why. So the, the obvious answer is that there was a culinary singularity that happened. Wherein, <laughs> culinary singularity is the name of my post-punk band <laughs> wherein wherein the chefs in the pokemon universe realized hang on we could just instead of just cooking them up we just make them food why don't we just do that we just make them food right off the bat we could skip a step hunting would be so much easier if you could just throw a plastic ball at the animal you want to eat and catch it instead of having like shoot it with a bow and arrow or something yeah i think I feel like we're transitioning from a BTS podcast to a Pokemon podcast. (laughs) (laughs) J-Hope is still the best dancer, the best rapper, and the most passionate of all the BTS members. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm glad we came back for a (laughs) second. Thank you for listening to our K-Pop Now Pokemon podcast. What what K-pop band would Kabutops be a part of? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you guys for listening to Space Castle. It's your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. I've been DT. Somebody's got to go. Seth is dead. <laughs> <laughs> he used to be Seth, and now he's resting in peace. I've been K-pop Pootops. Bye. I love you. <laughs> that's it that's it i don't even need to say my name that's good (laughs) i've been alex bye (laughs) bye love you